Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Hallelujah. Well, I feel the thirst. Hallelujah. God said that's what I will require. Hallelujah. Thirst. And I feel that thirst. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, we praise you this morning, God, and I thank you, God, that we've come into your house, Lord God, wanting to feel your presence, Lord God, and your anointing, Lord God. I thank you today. I praise you today, Lord God. Thank you for your goodness and your grace, your mercy. God, I thank you today. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's ask God to continue his blessings upon us today. Whatever is done or said, let's ask God to bless it and touch us. Hallelujah. Let's pray. God of heaven, we love you today. Father, we thank you for all that you do for us, Lord God. We don't want to take it for granted, God. We want to stop and acknowledge, God, it's because of you. It's because of you we are what we are, God, and we thank you for it. We thank you for the blood that you shed at Calvary, Lord God, for the victory that you've put in us, Lord God. Touch us, each and every one, Lord God. Strengthen us, anoint our minds, Lord God, our efforts, Lord God, everything that we do or say, God. We can't do this on our own. We need your holy anointing, God. Minister, Lord God, those out back, Lord God, everything that will go on today, God. Touch us, anoint us, Lord God. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Praise God. Hallelujah. I just want to start um, through the years. I've rode dirt bikes and always loved them and and that saying that Brother Boyd said of Brother Tenney, you might as well be yourself because everybody else is taken. <laughs> wow, that's a good one. And this is sort of just who I am. It's just, um, I said, if you can find God in dirt bikes, you can find God in anything. And uh, so I just want to just yet use another illustration, just one that um, I have just seen through the years. First, I just want to tell you the story. It was at this time, it was in 1977 in California. There was a, actually a desert racer. And I don't know if you've ever seen any of the Baja racing out in California, California, but they go uh, extremely fast. And there was a young man, he was 17 at the time on a motorcycle in 77, and he uh, wrecked. And like I say, they're already going fast. And 
as a result of this crash, he was paralyzed from the waist down. So his father had a Husqvarna shop, and, and so it had already been rumored getting out that him and his dad um, was doing some great tuning on motorcycles. So he took, and when he got through everything he had to go through, um, when he was 18 years old, he told his father, he said, I want to go in business for myself. And his dad never told him, you know, like, what? what? You're in a wheelchair. You know, you want to go in business for yourself? You know, none of that never happened. So naturally his father helped him. And this young man would take and work on cylinders a lot. You know, it's a mechanical term, but they would port the cylinder which would make the fuel easier to get, you know, through. And it's just a racing term, but more fuel, more power. But he would literally sit in his wheelchair and port these cylinders. So um, so he named his company. And then what they started, it was uh, not too long of a name, but to just shorten it, they just would call it by the acronym. And then as time went on, the lady... Uh, the secretary would come to him and said, you know, I'm getting strange phone calls. And, you know, they're just motocrossers. That's all they do. They eat, sleep, and breathe motocross. And so they couldn't, they couldn't quite put it together, these phone calls that was coming in. So, um, you know, what I'm getting at, the acronym of the name was PCP. So <laughs> this was in 77. So, um, you know, I've, I've listened to this guy. You know, he says, we wasn't geared to that. We was motocrossers. We didn't have nothing to do with that. You know, so he got with the lawyers and they changed the name. You know, my point, my point one point is that uh, their passion was dirt bikes. Their passion, they would, you know, the secretary's on the phone trying to get, trying to convince people, you know, we're really not a drug uh, place. We deal in motorcycles is what we deal in. So um, literally, and that man today is, uh, I kid you not, that man is worldwide with his business. He has a very successful business, and he's very, very known when it comes to the racing industry today. But there is a magazine in... um, the acronym for it is just MXA that I've read since the 70s. I really like this magazine, uh, not only for the fact that I could have it around my children, but um, they have no, uh, all the advertisement in it is clean, um, but literally you can pick it up and uh, if your passion is motocross, which I've always loved, that's all it's about. Um, if you don't like motocross, then you shouldn't pick it up and read it because that's all it is about. It's written from this perspective of motocross. But um, just one letter that was in there, I find, uh, uh, like they get so many of, um, uh, I just want to read, and I'm going to read it word for word for word how it was written. And what it's, um, I'll read it um, and tell you what it was pertaining to. Uh, the races that they have worldwide is called Grand Prix. So, and the young man it, that they are referring to, I would say at this time, he was probably 20 years old. 
So it is a great accomplishment to win one of these races. You're not just bitten, you're not just beating the best guys in the United States, you're beating the best guys in the world. So this guy wrote in to MXA and he said, and the kid's name is Cooper Webb. And he said, so Cooper Webb delivered yet another cringeworthy, embarrassing podium speech at the MXGP. Thanking the Lord Jesus Christ, while MXA starts every obituary in its magazine with God's speed. Keep this rubbish within the confines of the church. Now this is their answer. The United States was founded on several basic tenets, including freedom of speech and freedom of religion. For those reasons, we understand your point, but here is ours. When you win a Grand Prix, you are free to thank whomever you like. And when you die, we promise not to start your obituary with Godspeed. <laughs> so they do have a little humor. <laughs> And in 1982, I bought um, a a dirt bike, and I went under um, their recommendation. I bought the fastest production bike made in 1982. And so, and then 1983, and what happens a lot of time, and I've got a point, so just stay with me. Um, What happens when the manufacturers, you know, because they don't sell to one person, they have to sell to... To, to the masses. So, but when they come out with a year and they feel like they have overdone it, they send something out too powerful. Next year, they'll try to soften that power a little bit to try to please everybody. But, um, so in 1982, 1982, they took and produced this extremely fast dirt bike. And um, so in 83, as luck would have it, they took and detuned the power of this, made it a little bit more acceptable, they thought, to everybody. So um, it's just printed on my brain the comparison that Motocross Action did in the comparison. And this is the comparison that they made to the 1982 model. They compared it to a fire-breathing top-fuel dragster. The 83 model... They said it was a Buick Electra 225 with power windows. So the boys wasn't happy. And I've said all of that just to say this. This magazine is written purely from the point of motocross. When you pick it up and read it, that's all you're going to get. And some people, if you bought the 1983 item that they're talking about, you're going to be disappointed with their point of view. But they'll tell you in a heartbeat, they do not work for the manufacturers. Their point is the American consumer that's going to go out and spend their money on these products, and they want the American consumer to know the truth. And it's written from the point of motocross. People like me, they would refer to me as a weekend warrior. Other words, I'm not even a motocrosser to them. They write that. They tell that. This is written uh, by a motocrosser for motocrosser. It is hardcore, pure, simple motocross. And my point is this. We have a Bible. 
And we have a lot of people today that's taking the Bible and preaching it from a whole different points of view that it was really never designed to be preached from. They take enough truth out of one area and they make it their so-called doctrine and then they preach from that. God has wealth in this. He has health in this. He has good living. But when you take out one point of view, then you leave in all the rest. And that's why I've said about motocross, it's this magazine. You have to read it within how it was designed. So the Bible, when we take it, we have to read it in the case of how it was designed. Because if our pastor, if all he preached is about you being healthy, well, if you were sick, you wouldn't even want to come to church because you would feel as if you had done something wrong. Being sick is just part of our human nature. Now, we don't want to stay sick. We believe that God will heal us. And you get that preaching in the whole counsel of God. That's why I say you have to look at the Bible and look at the way it was intended as a whole for humanity. You can't just take one point of view. You must read it as the way God designed it for humanity and not just one point because we have, we have literally so many that just literally want to preach it from my point of view, my point of view. They, had, they can take truth, sell out truth, just to pad their own pocket and just get what I can get, or it is not as, as we see today. I mean, there's nothing wrong with trying to encourage and motivate people. You see ministers that has congregation by the thousands, and if all you do is just encourage and motivate, but you never tell them no Bible truths or doctrine, then the people is being done a disservice. They're not being told everything they need to be told. And so you have to take, and you must hear this and see this and read it from the way it was written. And I believe God wants us to have all the truth and to know it. In fact, the Bible says the Holy Ghost will lead us into all truth. So therefore, I believe it leading us into all truth that I believe that the Holy Ghost other words, spirit will open spirit. Other words, while he's preaching, the Holy Ghost will help us. That is why something, if, if I don't understand, I don't stop coming to church. I keep coming to church because chances are my mind, my intellect, my spirit is going to be open while the preaching is going to be going on. That's why I said this is a spiritual place. And when I come in the doors, I tell you, I'm listening. I want to hear what the spirit would have to say. As God said, listen, because I am going to speak. I want to hear what the Spirit is going to say. I want my mind to know that. So if you would, go with me um, in the Bible or just read on the screen every which you wish to Colossians. In, in Colossians 2 and 8, it says, Be, uh, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Nine, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And verse 10, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. First he says, beware. In other words, you need to take notice. You need to be on guard. 
because there's going to be them that try to spoil you or rob you, literally what it means, rob you through philosophy and vain deceit. That's why I said that's why I'm probably, and you know, I, I may be a little overly, and I'll use the word nervous when it comes to reading after people, but this is my point concerning this. Because you can take somebody that has a wrong point, and if you listen to them long enough, to your human man, they'll start making sense. And really, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. And it's just, we have to guard ourselves. He used the word here, he says, beware. Stay on your guard. Watch yourself that no one spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Because if we ever live in a time when that has happened, just after tradition of men, after my own philosophy, because the Bible tells us that this has already happened when every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And we've seen, we have Bible to prove that that didn't work. So they take it and they do that. And then after the rudiments of the world, after the principles of the world. And then it says, when he's doing that, he says, spoil you through the philosophy and the vain deceit after the tradition of men, the rudiments of the world. In this verse 9, he says, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, you want an airtight scripture? That's as airtight as I can get. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, the Godhead used in this right here is used one time in the Bible, and this is it. This is a declaration of the Godhead. This is it. It's used one time, and this is it, the fullness of God. The fullness of God is it. This is it. And it says, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. He said, this is it. You are complete. You are complete in him. In other words, you don't have to wonder, what else do I need to seek? In other words, God said, find me, find who I am, seek me, seek me every day, and you don't have to wonder about seeking someone else because you would be complete in him. I want to go to 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. The Bible says in 1 John 2 and 18, it says, little children, it is the last time, and that's, I had to give you my title, but that's what I'm going to use this title, the last time. It is the last time, and you have heard that Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, then they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not at all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and there is no lie, and that no lie is of the truth. Now, Antichrist, this is the only place in the Bible that it's used. You know, we say Antichrist a lot in Revelation, but Antichrist is a term that's basically anything that opposes itself of God. But this John is the one that used Antichrist. It's used five times in four verses, and this is a place that it's used. And it, then he says, where he says, little children, it is the last time. Uh, 
that, in other words, this is it. He is saying this is the last time. This is the last dispensation, in other words, that, w- that humanity is going to have. John, in his writings in the Gospel of John, he used seven times to use the term the last day. In other words, so John is saying, as far as us, this is it. This is the last time. But he says, but you have an anointing. You In verse 20 it says, but you have an unction. That is, unction there is an anointing. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Did he say, and we know every, li- every living thing? No. But he says, you have this anointing. And just like I said a while ago, don't, don't just sit at home or don't doubt or just keep wondering what to do. Come here and you know all things. God will open his self up. That is the way that I will find. I'm not gonna doubt God. I'm not gonna wonder this or wonder that. I am gonna keep seeking because that which I seek, God will open himself up to me. And that is how it's gonna be done. Because he said in you, and ye know all things, that's how I am going to know all things. It's because I'm gonna keep seeking, I'm gonna know. And in verse 26, if you just go on down a little bit, these things have I written in you concerning them that seduce you. That's what he's saying there, concerning them that would seduce you. 27, but the anointing which you have received of him abideth in him, and ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth and is no lie, and even it has taught you, you shall abide in him. He's telling them in 26, this is the reason why I'm writing to you, because you have those that their goal is simply to seduce you. That is it. And John said, that's why I'm writing. But the anointing that you have received of him you have abideth in you. In other words, John said, it's the same anointing, the same spirit. And then he says, and ye need not that any man teach you. John said, the purpose was, I'm writing to tell you of them that seduce you. Now, the part where not that any man would teach you, John said, once you have this anointing, you need not any more of their false teachings. What they wanna do is teach you the false teaching. John said, you don't need any more of that teaching. You have no need of any man to teach you because from henceforth, you have the spirit of Christ. That anointing is gonna be the same anointing that you're gonna be taught. In other words, in anything that you need, you will be taught and God will open it up to you. And for the simple purpose that all of this is happening is because literally, we have an enemy and it's truly time and John said it's time that we face it because we have antichrist. In fact, John said, as I just read, there's many, many antichrists that goes out and tries to seek and that, and then in fact, he said, John in his writings, I didn't read it, but he said, I wrote it down, is I've always said it like this. Here is our benchmark. Only the spirit that confessed that Jesus Christ is coming to flesh is of God. Now, if you wondered why he said that, only the spirit that confesses Jesus Christ is, is, is coming to flesh is of God. The reason I think it's that 
is because of the spirit that dwelt in him. It was Jehovah that dwelt in him. And no devil, no devil is going to admit that it was Jehovah that indwelled that body. So he said the true test to determine is get them, ask them if Jesus Christ is coming to flesh. That is the true test. That is the benchmark is going to be. Now, if you would turn with me, you will, to 1 Corinthians. I want to read of a scripture that's always truly intrigued me. In 18, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, in 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the sputer of this world? Hath not God made the foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them which believe. Now, New Testament was written in Greek, and the Greek had all their philosophers that they believed in. They believed that they was the, the wisdom capital of the world and that they had a lock on this and they was so just, in other words, they believed they was the most when it comes to wisdom. But there was two contrasting ideas that he narrowed it down to literally. He said it's like this. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but it's to them that are saved the power of God. When preaching is happening, don't call me cruel, I'm reading the Bible. You're either perishing or you're being saved. There ain't no two ways about it. That's what Paul said. And then he said, but it's really and truly that this has always intrigued me, but it's not, it's not the method of delivery, but it is the message that the world considers foolishness because there's a whole lot that goes on through this uh, delivery. But he said that the preaching of the cross, now, they believed the Greek that they possessed every advantage that a human could have but independent of a divine revelation, they could not find God on their own, literally. So they took, and in verse, look where he quotes this in verse 20, where is the scribe, where is the wise, where is the disputer of this world? He goes back all the way to where the Assyrians is gonna attack. He goes back, I think it's Isaiah 33, and he goes back and God put a stop to this. Assyria was gonna come in and then he says, other words, a country way to put this is they had counted their chickens before they hatched. And Assyrians was going to come in and take control, but God says, you're not going to do it. So they had come in and God stopped them. And just like he is saying now, where is the wise, the scribe, the spirit of this world? They had come in. They had counted all of this. They said, we're going to take, we're going to take Israel. And God said, no, you're not. 
I don't care how much wisdom you think you have or how much technology you think you have. When I say you're going to stop, you're going to stop. So Paul is saying now, when it comes to people that accept this ministry, when it comes to it being preached, this is God's way. This is his way. And then they took, and then it's just like the, uh, the man that took and just said, God, if I could just, or he's speaking Abraham, if I could just go back and warn my brothers. And, and Abraham told him, said, no, no. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. God is not going to change it. God gave us a method, and this is the method. And he's not going to change it for no one. It is through the preaching of God's word to save them which would believe. Which would believe. Which would believe. You just need to echo that. Which would believe. God said, I'm going to preach it, and them that believe are going to be saved. Them that don't believe are going to perish. This is his word. And then we know, we know that just as, thinking about this, I thought about after the flood, when Nimrod took and built the Tower of Babel, you know, it was probably, how nervous would you have been <laughs> if come through the flood and then it started raining? Well, you wouldn't have been like us. Thank God for the rain, <laughs> you know. You know, it had just rained 40 days and nights and all of a sudden, you know, the wife comes in and said, it's raining. Oh, no. You know, you know, it probably, I'm sure there was some nervousness with this. But God said, I have made a covenant. God made a covenant with them, with the animals, with the earth. God made a covenant with everybody. And so Nimrod said, no. I still won't believe you. But God in his mercy, he says, it's raining, yes, but look behind you, the sun, because the sun's going to shine and put my bow in the sky, and that is going to be a covenant for perpetual. It's never going to end. But the Nimrod is, we're always going to have the Nimrod. I don't care what evidence there is, but God said he chose through the foolishness of preaching. And then he says, I'll, God told them, I will never, ever do this again. And you think just what mercy and compassion there was because you have rained, but it ain't, it ain't always going to rain because the sun is shining. To produce a rainbow, you've got to have the rain and you must have the sun. So God said, it's raining, but it's going to quit. I'm going to let the sun shine to produce my rainbow. And that's my covenant. But Nimrod still wouldn't believe it. So God said, I'm going to take, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to save those that would just literally believe the message that's being preached. And God said, that is what I'm going to do. And in Proverbs... Um, 29, we quote this a lot. Proverbs 29, 18 says it like this, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. 
that word vision there, you know, we view that as Brother Boyd taking an outlook and a view of the church, and I'm not knocking that. We need that. But that word is prophecy and revelation. And that is exactly what God does. Without revelation, we will perish. And God said, I'm going to use him to guide us. He's going to preach. What we need is like I've said, how many times has real answers needed to be answered that we come that we never ever mention to him that God has answered to us that we never even go to him because God said that I am going to answer to my children because we need to know an answer. And God said, you come. And just like when we started, I felt the thirst. I felt us just being thirsty after God. And when you come in and you have a thirst and God's minister starts ministering, that's the way God is gonna do it because he's gonna choose through the foolishness of preaching. So when he ministers, it's not that I have to go to him and seek this. There's occasions where that will happen. But God says, come in, have a thirst. And when you do have a thirst, then I am gonna speak that, that I'll never have to go to him and say, you know, Brother Boyd, I had this. God knows, God knows. So he's gonna take and do this, what we have, because just as John told us, it is the last time. This is the last dispensation of humanity that we know of that is going to happen. I'm going to ask our, our um, musicians if they had come. So he took and he told us that we have this enemy. He said, don't let nobody spoil you through philosophy, vain deceit, because you know what? They're going to try. They're going to try to get you thinking another way. But this is the truth. And in knowing the truth, and in fact, Jesus looked at them, and when they was fixing to crucify him, he says, you know what? You shall know the truth, and the truth will make, make you free. I look at that as whatever traditions that's wanting to hold me, God said he would just cut them loose. He would sever any tradition that would try to hold me. He would take and he would do it. It may be the last time, but I'm telling you, God ain't slowed down none. He literally wants to give us what we need, and he will do it. I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. Hallelujah. God bless you. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.